personification of the spirit, the ordeals, the disappointment. The Outline World Dispatch. It's Tuesday, September 5th, 2017. I'm John Lago Marcino. Today on The Dispatch, two stories about the internet. First, Adrienne Jeffries invests her own money in an alt-right Twitter clone. So I now own 0.0018% of Gab. And William Turton reports that an open source community is turning against one of its most prominent members. The person who has really worked on this is having some of her work turned against her and used as a weapon. Here's the dispatch. The future. Hey, Adrian. Hey, John. So you are uh, newly an investor in a company. Yes, I'm really happy and proud. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Tell me about what you invested in. So I invested in a social network that is basically a Twitter clone called Gab.ai. Gab is a social network that lets you do everything that most social networks do. It has a kind of Periscope style live streaming component. It has the regular posting and feeds. It's most, I would say it's most similar to Twitter, but there's some Facebook and some video stuff thrown in there as well. And it's basically part of this trend of people starting uh, what's been called alt tech sites. These are people who um, have alt-right sympathies uh, and find themselves being banned or suspended from networks like Twitter. So there's an alt-right Wikipedia now, and there's an alt-right Reddit that's been around for a while, and Gab.ai is basically the alt-right Twitter. So I'm on their website right now. My name is Andrew Torba, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Gab. And it looks like they're, instead of calling themselves an alt-right social network, it seems like uh, they position themselves as a place for free speech and uncensored speech. Our mission is to put people, free speech, and the free flow of information first, above anything else. We believe that people are intelligent enough to make their own rational decisions about what they want to see and about what fake news is or isn't. Yeah, so they don't call themselves alt-right or hard-right or say that they have any political affiliation. Free speech is what they say they stand for. That's also kind of a dog whistle to the alt-right crowd. So Gab is saying, like, basically, you can come to our platform and say whatever you want, free speech. And uh, and it's trying to attract some of those alt-right people who have been pushed off some of these other platforms. Now, I've never heard you identify as a member of the alt-right. What, what possessed you to invest in Gab? I had been looking for a company to invest in through this new type of investing called equity crowdfunding or regulation crowdfunding. Basically, before 2012, startup investment was restricted to the elite. It was being done only by professional venture capitalists and by people who had enough money that they could qualify as, quote, accredited investors. Um, That means having a net worth of a million or a steady annual income of 200,000 or more. And so in 2012, President Obama signed the Jobs Act, jumpstarting our Business Startups Act, I think. That's clever. Yeah, it had um, 
a bunch of provisions. And one of them was to say, okay, we're going to create this new type of venture capital investing basically for smaller investors because there's been this crowdfunding revolution. People are funding Kickstarter all the time. People are funding campaigns on Indiegogo and those people aren't even getting a stake in the companies um, in return. So the only difference is that now you can say, okay, you're an investor, you get a t-shirt or you can get a 0.001% stake in this company and its future success. And that's what you did with Gab. That's what I did with Gab, yeah. So I now own 0.0018% of Gab. And the reason I did it was I'm interested in Gab because it's a piece of culture, but I'm also just interested in seeing how these equity crowdfunding rules play out. And I think the best way to track that space is to get involved. So how'd it go? Okay, so... I put in the minimum, $199.10, and a couple weeks later, I got an email from Start Engine, which is the platform where they raise the money. It's like a Kickstarter, but with equity. And they said, congratulations, your investment cleared, you've been issued the shares, you now have 181 shares in this company. And I tried to do the math to figure out what percentage of the company I owned and found out that it was actually pretty difficult because the documents that Gab had had posted explaining its financials, explaining the company were kind of ambiguous. And I even got a lawyer on the phone, Joe Green, who used to be a startup lawyer for Gunderson Detmer, um, which is a big startup firm in New York. And he was like, yeah, there, this is ambiguous. Yeah. It's just not written in a precise enough way to let you know what that means. Um, which again, if, if you're thinking about this, means that you don't actually know how much of the company you bought, which is a scary thing in crowdfunding because that's kind of the most important thing of all of us uh, is knowing you know how much you paid for how much of the company. And so I kind of tried to figure it out just based on the clues I had, and I calculated that I had 0.0018% of shares, which turns out to be what I had. But during the process, I reached out to Gab and said, hey, how much do I own? And they said, well, we can't answer your question directly. You have to ask the question through the campaign, through the comments on the campaign because of SEC rules. So I went and put a comment on the campaign and of course they ignored it and they've been ignoring comments on the campaign for two weeks. So it was not very transparent. Are the hopes for crowdfunding investment panning out the way that they were laid out um, around the time of the Jobs Act? Ultimately, uh, I feel like it's super complicated and uh, I kind of agree with Joe Green who said, um, you know, there will probably be some class action lawsuits that come out of this. It's, been, it's really early days. Um, there just hasn't been that much for all, all the excitement and the waiting for four years uh, for these rules to come into effect. There hasn't been that much deal flow um, and uh, it kind of remains to be seen. I mean, my, my my personal view is that, you know, at some point, you know, there may be some class action lawsuits related to this when you have thousands of people who are upset that they were, that, that they, that they, you know, think that they were swindled. Um, and it may actually not be a swindling so much as they were kind of getting into something that they didn't really understand. Adrian Jeffries is a senior editor at The Outline. future. 
Another advocate for diversity in tech has become the target of an online smear campaign. And William Turton has been looking into that. Hey, William. Hey, what's up? You reported a story about Node. Uh, Tell me what Node is and what's going on. So Node, um, more accurately known as Node.js, JS standing for JavaScript, is this open source um, software framework that's used all over the place. Uh, So what's going on with it now? The thing about open source software is it's run and managed by leadership. Um, You kind of need people to steer the ship, but inevitably there are going to be people who don't get along. Um, And so there's been a lot of controversy recently as the technical steering committee held a vote to determine whether one of its members, Rod Vag, should be removed from the committee or voluntarily asked to step down. And both of those failed. And after both of those resolutions failed, four members resigned. Why was Rod Vag being asked to step down? It seems to be that he had a lot of conduct that was unbecoming of a TSC, Technical Steering Committee member. Um, It seemed that Rod would kind of have these extremely long dialogues that became unproductive and would derail conversations, especially on things like code of conduct issues or social issues within Node.js. And some members uh, said that he had harassed them. So that vote failed. Rod Vag is still there. Four people resigned. Uh, but what happened after that? So about a week after that vote, there was an anonymous Reddit post that appeared. Now, I contacted the Reddit poster. They wouldn't tell me who they are. And that Reddit post contained 20 tweets from um, an active Node.js member, someone who's actually on the board. Her name is Ashley Williams. And most of the tweets were expressing her frustration with men. Um, there was one tweet in particular where it was, quote, retweeting a tweet about how at this hacker conference called DEF CON, there's a trivia event where the men answer questions and women serve them drinks. Um, and her reply to seeing that tweet was, kill all men. These 20 tweets were all cited and next to each tweet, was a piece of the Node.js code of conduct next to them um, as basically a justification as to why each tweet violated the code of conduct. Then what did the Redditor uh, expect the response to be? So in the bottom of this post, the Redditor said they had to stay anonymous for fear of backlash. And they also said, you know, the highest levels of the Node organization should see these tweets and do something about it. They should hold a vote and remove Ashley from her positions within Node. Did they? I think Node is still discussing what they're going to do. I've spoken to Ashley, who doesn't even know what's happening yet. Um, But it seems like in a discussion that was posted online on GitHub between a lot of Node leadership, that they agree that Ashley's tweets were a violation of the code of conduct. So what is Ashley's role here have to do with Rod Vags? Ashley has been a champion for the Node Code of Conduct. She's been a champion for diversity and inclusion within Node. It's one of her um, passion projects. So now the person who has really worked on this 
is having essentially what is some of her work turned against her and used as a weapon. So how will this all shake out? I think what will probably happen is there will be some kind of vote to see whether Ashley should stay in her node leadership positions. What's less known, though, is whether the vote will actually kick her off. So if she is removed, uh, is this a blow generally to women in open source? Yeah, I think it shows a lot of people that you can be some anonymous Reddit commenter and if you compile a list with enough seemingly bad tweets, you can force out one of the most influential members of a project um, just because you don't like them. It's not great. William Turton is a staff writer at The Outline. That's it for The Dispatch. Remember, we're here every Monday through Thursday. You can subscribe wherever you get podcasts or subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. We read them all. I'm John Lago Marcino. Thanks for listening. Back with more stories tomorrow. <laughs>